Well, the, the first part of the introduction was a good simulation of Ted, I must say. But then the real Dave Freer came out, so it was very gracious. Well, now that I'm old and retired, uh, God did a miracle this week. Carl will tell you all about it. There he is. Uh, the elders send the verses to Carl so he can go ahead and get them queued up and, and ready to share during the service. And typically, particularly when I was teaching, I was not known for getting them to him anytime early. So the Lord actually gave me the teaching initially on Monday, and I had all the verses to Carl on Friday rather than late on Saturday night. So Carl was rejoicing. Of course, he usually gets up real early Sunday morning and he cues them all in on Sunday morning anyway, but um, we're trying to give Carl a break on that one. So last week from our brother Ted, thankfully we got to corner him and uh, glean from him before he went into surgery. Uh, you know what anesthesia does to people's minds. Um, so we learned last week and were reminded that uh, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart, and it's God who has endowed us to be priests to him, a kingdom of priests, people for his own possession. So no matter what happened to you yesterday or what you did a week ago or a month ago or 10 years ago or whatever, that has been washed away. And our brother Larry showed us that we can walk with him as with Jesus as our king. And also he redeemed us from sin and that God is proud of us. He's our elder brother who is proud of us. So he's given us the robes of righteousness and the gar garments of salvation, no matter how we might feel in any given circumstance, we feel low or we feel guilty or anything else, we have these endowed robes of righteousness from God himself. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So this morning, <clears throat> we're gonna look kind of use Israel as an analogy. Um, remember that God, we've read recently, God spoke through Moses to tell Pharaoh that Israel is my son and I want my son to be released to go worship me in the wilderness. And then the son, Israel, through Abraham, then started a journey and the whole we read through the whole history of the Old Testament, the journey of the nation of Israel. Um, their ups and their very deep downs uh, from their sin. But yet, we know that God entered into covenant with Israel and they remained his son. Sometimes they needed a little discipline, but uh, they remained his son. And so <clears throat> we're going to take a look a little bit at Israel and what we've been reading in the book of Exodus, but 
also apply it to us. You know, how about, how does that apply to you and me? So we're going to start out in, uh, back in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, the first three verses. So Genesis 12. So we know that Israel was born, essentially, back as a nation, back in Genesis chapter 12. And it says, now the Lord said to Abram, now we know him as Abraham. This was back so far to the very beginning that his name then was Abram rather than God's new name for him. Um, exalted father rather than father of a multitude, Abraham. So God said to, to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that's the beginning of the nation of Israel. That's the birth of the nation. Well, how about your birth and my birth? Uh, if we can turn, <clears throat> excuse me, to Psalm 139, a very familiar passage to many of us. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. So David, in, in writing this amazing psalm, says, For you formed my inward parts. You formed me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So we know that it is God who formed us in the womb. It is God that brought uh, that biological egg and sperm together and made each one of us look around the room. That wasn't by happenstance. God at conception sovereignly brought those two cells together to bring about each of us and every human being on the planet. And God has a plan for us, and we're gonna talk about that plan, but that's, that's where it all started, and we know it started from Him. It wasn't by accident. And since we know that we are formed by God, when we look around in the world, and it's easy for Christians to fall into this as well. God's people can get sucked into some of this as well. Who's making a killing 
at people not willing to accept God's beautiful, skillful creation in each one of our bodies. That's right, plastic surgeons. Man, they make a killing. My nose is too short. My nose is too long. My nose is too steep. My nose is too flat. My ear doesn't match the other ear. My chin isn't the way I want it to be. On and on and on. People trying to change their bodies because they're saying, my body is not right. That's not what the Word of God teaches us. Each one of us is perfectly made just the way God wanted it. So we don't have to listen to the world uh, saying that something should be different. Okay, now, there is a place for plastic surgeons. I had a niece, I have a niece, um, who at 18 years old was driving down the road, a uh, high school kid, and a car was speeding in the right-hand lane right at her, passing somebody else unsafely. It was either hit the car head on or turn and go down an embankment. Well. She was a, a, basket, a very good basketball player. She was good at making quick decisions with the ball and everything. So she took the embankment. Car rolled down. When it, when it stopped, she was alive and well. She walked away from it, had her seatbelt on. However, she had asphalt embedded into her skin. Not little pieces of asphalt. She was total asphalt on her face. That's a place for plastic surgeons. This red-headed, freckle-faced, fair-skinned kid had asphalt. And the plastic surgeons took care of that. And to look at her today, you would never guess in a million years she'd been through anything. This is totally normal. So I'm not bashing plastic surgeons. There is a place for that. But this world has abused that. Okay, now if you can please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, or you can just read it on the screen as Carl brings it up. Another fairly familiar passage to, to many. Um, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. So in the womb, God already knew the plans that he had for Jeremiah. And boy, we've been 
how do you want to say, feasting on the fruits of his life ever since. The, the church through the ages has been so edified and blessed by the ministry and the life of Jeremiah. And here's this kid saying, Lord, I'm, I'm too young. I'm, you know, it's easy for us when God tells us to do something. I'm too this or I'm too that. Um, if we focus on limitations, then we're limited. If we focus on God, then our potential is unlimited. Thankfully, God got Jeremiah's attention up on him. And so the plans that God had appointed Jeremiah for came to fruition. And we've been reading the book of you know, Jeremiah, the church has uh, ever since. And even just seeing the heart and the life of Jeremiah, and it's not written in the word, but Jewish tradition says that he was martyred along with all the, you know, many of the other prophets. Also, if we can turn to Ezekiel chapter 2. So after Jeremiah, the short book of Lamentations, and then Ezekiel. So we don't have to turn very far. Or again, you can just look at it as Carl brings it up, or as Aaron brings it up for us. Ezekiel chapter 2. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And he spoke to me. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. Then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And also, uh, moving to verse uh, to the very next chapter, chapter three, verse eight, just across the page, or so eight and nine. Behold, I have. This is God speaking to Jeremiah to fulfill his calling. God had to empower. I'm sorry, Ezekiel. So here it talks about this empowering. God says, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. We've heard the expression, oh, what a hard head they are. Well, that, that was Israel. It says, Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed because of them though they are a rebellious house. And finishing this, just jumping ahead to verse 17. Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. 
So God appointed Jeremiah, uh, and, well, he did for Jeremiah, but appointed Ezekiel for this ministry as a prophet. Now, it's easy to say, well, these are major prophets, right? You know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Uh, and again, we know that Dave has taught us that major doesn't mean that they were any spiritually further elevated than other prophets. Um, read Zechariah, that, that blow anybody away. Um, but he's in quote included in the minor prophets, but these are the longer books. Okay, God just had recorded more of the visions and things, that, the words that he had for them. So it's easy for us to say, well, that's, that's God's plan for them. You know, I, I'm just me, you know, I'm, I'm not Ezekiel, I'm not Jeremiah. So the devil can tempt us in that way to put ourselves down and to say that our calling that he has given to each of us is not important. Well, we know that's a lie. So if you can turn to me to what we've been reading the last few days in Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 31. The passage that we're going to read now is actually repeated. Uh, we will read about this same thing about three different times, um, which to me says it's so important that God has it in there like three times within a few pages worth of our reading. So Exodus chapter 31, 1 through 7. So we, we saw that with Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God appointed them and he also anointed them for their ministry. Not everybody can be, a, not everybody's called to be a prophet like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, but we're all called to something. And we know because it's from God, it is equally as important. So in Exodus 31, starting with verse 1, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God. Hmm. This is Old Testament we're reading here. But he said, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Okay, so he wasn't going to be a rocket scientist. He wasn't going to be a molecular biologist. He wasn't going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a social worker, whatever. Okay, all kinds of craftsmanship. He's filled with the Spirit of God for this. It says to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And behold, I myself have appointed with him. So God, just like Jeremiah and Ezekiel were appointed for their ministry. God is appointing this guy, Bezalel, to be anointed for the ministry of craftsmanship. That goes beyond my categories. 
It says, I have appointed with him a holy ab. Okay, so he's given him a, a buddy in ministry, a partner in ministry. Okay, the tribe of Dan and all. And in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they may make all that I have commanded you. And it says in one of the other mentions of this uh, concept that um, Bezalel was going to be the teacher. He was going to teach all these other skillful people the real fine points of their job and their ministry. So it wasn't limited to these two guys, to these head guys. It says to all. So he said, who are skillful, I have put skill. So God gives us whatever skill. It might be music, might be art. It might be, you know, science or math or whatever it may be. God gives us the skill in the womb. Okay, when those, and when those two cells came together, God gave us those things genetically. But even sovereignly, God can add to that anytime he wants to from the Spirit of God to give us the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding in whatever it might be. And it might be in washing dishes. It might be in sweeping floors. It might be in swabbing the floors with a mop. It might be dusting. Who knows? Every aspect of life, God wants to anoint us with skill and um, <clears throat> by his Holy Spirit. So no matter what kind of job or what kind of ministry someone has, some people, have, you know, Billy Graham had a very public ministry. Other people have a very private ministry that nobody sees what they do. Okay? Um, it's up to God. But we do know that when we stand before him in heaven, not going to be hidden anymore. Okay? So if someone is, is dusting and getting behind the hidden places, getting all that dust out that's been collecting because nobody else bothered to reach behind there. Okay, that's important to God. And God will bless you for that in doing whatever job he's given each of us, whatever ministry he's given each of us. He's going to bless us for that. Now, with the anointing, uh, uh, an, an example that I just love that I've, heard from Bible teachers and all and uh, church historians. Um, raise your hand if you've heard of D.L. Moody. Okay, I see a lot of people over 30 raising their hands. Um, funny how that works. Um, well, D.L. Moody is one of, one of the greatest evangelists in American history. You know, there are a number of them, but uh, he's one of them. And the story is about his life that he stuttered. Like he was the last person you'd ever pick to be an evangelist. If you're just chatting with him, you know, on the street or something. Um, but when he started preaching, the Spirit of God from within him just took over. And he won who knows how many thousands of people to Christ. He didn't stutter when he preached. He only stuttered if you wanted counseling from him, maybe, or, you know, whatever else. But even if we have 
something that we would look at as a weakness or something, God can override that, okay? So again, we can't limit ourselves. The potential in every one of us to fulfill our ministry in the Holy Spirit is limitless. You know, as, as Pastor Buck always used to say, we can have as much of God as we want. God is infinite and limitless. What's limiting is the hardness in my heart, okay? God is infinite. And as we read about these experiences that Moses had with him that just blow our minds, um, that there is no limit there. Okay, so God birthed Israel, and then, excuse me, just as God birthed us, and then appointed us and anoints us for all different kinds of ministry, whatever it may be. And then after that, we see, we read through the, um, the Pentateuch and beyond of how God led Israel. And then after we take a look at how God was leading Israel, then we'll see how God is totally, totally faithful in all different twists and turns in our journey of our lives. Just as the journey of Israel, all the different twists and turns that they had, um, God wants is gonna be just as faithful to us as he was to Israel. Okay, so <clears throat> how God led Israel. First of all, they were slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. Well, what's the first thing God had to do to deliver them? Had to provide a Moses and an Aaron. He provided elite leaders and mentors for them, role models of how to walk with God, how to follow God. Not that they listened to it or followed it, a lot of them, but um, it was there for, the, for the, the taking if they wanted. And we know Joshua uh, is a great example of one who took the resource that God provided and ran with it. And, you know, we'll get to talk to to Joshua when we get to heaven as well about all of his escapades, some of which are written here and probably more that even that didn't make it in details that didn't make the pages of scripture. So in our lives, just as Israel needed leader, mentor, role model, we need leaders, mentors, role models. So in all congregations of the Lord, that's why he provides elders and provides deacons, responsible brothers and sisters. Person doesn't need a title necessarily. God will still use any believer in that same way as being a mentor and um, being an encourager to help others grow in the Lord. So remember Moses, First it was Moses, and then he appointed leaders of tens, hundreds, and thousands. Okay, so someone could be a leader of, a ten, of 10 and be incredibly, incredibly effective in mentoring those 10 and judging and whatnot um, as the, the one who would take the tougher cases, who was a leader over a thousand. 
Okay, so God wants to use each of us in others' lives as well. And someone doesn't need a fancy title necessarily to do it. Just need the, the blessing. You know, Moses appointed them and then they ran with it and were faithful with the 10 that they were essentially shepherding. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 13. Yeah. In Exodus chapter 13, 21, we read this verse not too long ago. How did God lead Israel? Well, we know that after Moses said, okay, let's go. We're, we're getting out of this joint. And uh, they, they left Egypt. Then it says the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way. And in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day and not the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So wouldn't that be great if God would lead us in that same way? You know, there's, there's the pillar. You can't miss it. Uh, even lit up at night, can't miss it. Um, that made things pretty simple for the people of Israel. They still managed to blow it, but um, he, he, he led them clearly. Uh, that's the bottom line of, uh, of this. There was no mistake about it. God was leading them. They weren't just off on their own wandering around. God was clearly leading them. And you don't have to turn to it, but I'm going to read from uh, a similar thing from uh, the book of Numbers, okay, chapter 9, if you're taking notes. Numbers chapter 9, uh, 15 through 17. Now, on the day that the tabernacle was erected, all that we've been reading about the, you know, the altar and the table and the curtains and everything, for the, um, we'll say, the, the movable tabernacle that they would put together, take apart, put together, take apart, depending on if they were traveling or if they were camping, uh, where God told them to stop. Um, so they, when they would erect the tabernacle, says the cloud covered the tabernacle and the tent of the testimony, and in the evening, it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So it was so it was continuously. The cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was lifted from over the tent, afterwards the sons of Israel would then set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the sons of Israel would camp. And jumping ahead to verse 22, whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel remained camped and did not set out. But when it was lifted, 
they did set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the Lord's charge according to the command of the Lord through Moses. So, again, just as God clearly led Israel, God wants to clearly lead us today, okay, in the last days, which Dave has taught us from the eschatology class. That's uh, from after Jesus was raised from the dead and came back and the early church in the book of Acts, that was the beginning of the last days until Jesus would come again. So a very short verse that sort of uh, describes that and gives us instruction is Romans 8, 14. You don't need to turn there, but if you're taking notes, you can jot it down. Romans 8, 14. For all who have been led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, there are people who today who would describe themselves as spiritual. Ever meet any of them? Well, I don't go to church, but I'm spiritual. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with feeling that or, or whatever, but those can be kind of nebulous terms. And people can feel they're sensing that they're being led by a higher power of some sort uh, to get guidance for their path in life. Well, as we know from the Word of God, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So, in actuality, who is leading them anyway? Okay, so, but as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that Jesus promised uh, just before he was arrested and then crucified. Okay, in John chapter 14 and 15, 16, all in there, he talks about how I have to leave because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit who will be in you. Okay, now, if, if there's anyone here that, or anyone on Zoom that isn't sure if they really have the Spirit of God, or if the Holy Spirit could, could you know, lead them, because not sure if they have the Holy Spirit, um, a good verse to look up is just John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Now, some folks, the term believe can throw them a little bit. Yeah, I believe George Washington was the first president. Um, history books tell me that. Okay. But the word believe in the New Testament really means putting your whole trust in. And such that in John 1.12, we know that to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. And that was the missing link for myself growing up. I attended a church as a kid, but like I knew God was there, but I didn't have any connection with him. So when I finally prayed, when I realized what a sinner I was, 
then that I needed the salvation of God, I needed to be washed by the blood of Jesus, then, just as John said, I received him into my life through prayer. I say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, cleanse me and live in me and here's my life, I'm yours, you're my Lord now. So if there's anyone who has never taken that step, please take it because God's salvation to all of man, man and womankind is free and available now. But after Jesus comes back, then the boat has left and it is too late. So uh, if there's anyone in or who's watching the, the film, I finally went on the website the first time last night and I watched, uh, listened to Larry's teaching from a couple weeks ago since I, I was uh, not here. And anybody has access to our teaching. So if, even if you're watching the video, uh, if you've never received the Lord Jesus into your life, please do that today and ask God to reveal himself to you. And he will gladly do that so that you can receive his free gift of salvation. So once we do that, we know Jesus said we have the Holy Spirit and then his Holy Spirit will lead us. So sometimes it'll be, we know it'll just be a word to our spirit. Sometimes we'll be reading along in the Bible. The number one easiest way for God to speak to us is through his word and his Holy Spirit will illuminate something from his word to lead us and guide us even for specific situations. Um, a quick example, some of us knew uh, back many years ago there was uh, a missionary couple that, that went out and was used mightily by God at the time, Keith and Gail DeMeo. And they they've described to us before, they were on a train ride as they were missionaries in China. And they were up in the, it was a several day train ride. And they were up in a sleeper car uh, on the, the bed, the sleeping part. And the Holy Spirit told them, get down from this bed. So they did. And they moved away to a seat that was further away. And right after that, a brick came through the window and shattered glass all over their sleeping area where they had just been laying. Now, what if they didn't listen to the Spirit of God speaking in their, their spirit? That wouldn't have been too good. And uh, another time with one of their flights, it was around the time of ten, the Tiananmen Square massacre in China, and God told them, go to this travel agent and get your ticket and get out of town beforehand. And they actually were flying out, seeing the troops gather around the area there. And God told them, they have a ticket for you. So Keith went in with his perfect Chinese and that they, he said that the natives there, if they didn't look up and see this person of Italian background standing in front of them, they thought it was a Chinese person standing in front of them, a native Chinese person. His, his Chinese was so impeccable. So he told the travel agent that there's a ticket, two tickets there for us to leave. And the guy said, no, I don't have any more tickets left. They're all gone. 
He said, please look. And he did. And there were two tickets there, the last two. So the Holy Spirit was leading in very specific situations like that. And all of us can give testimonies where, um, where God has done that for us. Maybe not as dramatically as a brick coming through a window or something, but God leads us by the Spirit of God. So again, usually it's directly God illuminating his word, but there are times when he will speak to us. So we have our senses trained to discern good and evil, and we, have, we become trained to know when it's the Spirit of God speaking to us and when it's just a thought going through our mind. It's just us. Um, and we can pray and ask God, God, help me develop my tuners to know when your Spirit is speaking to me. So again, these are ways that God will, uh, can lead us. And then as far as in Exodus, um, there's a second way that God wants to lead us, and that is he wants to lead us deeper in to him. So we just read, um, what, a couple days ago, in Exodus 33. Okay, Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So when we know the pillar of cloud was there, we know God would appear and then jumping down uh, to verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. So God wants to speak to us face to face. He wants to lead us deeper into his presence deeper into our relationship with him. So we need to follow God's leadings in doing that and that our devotional life will be such that, you know, and trying to devote time and all, um, whatever time God gives us in, in different seasons of our life. Sometimes we have less time, sometimes we have more time. Um, someone in our congregation, Carolyn Klaus, when she was in medical school, she said, it was her, her life was just like this. So she would get off a rotation and she said she would worship God, you know, when taking a shower and whatnot, she would belt it out and sing to the Lord. During that little, that season of her life, that was her worship time. She didn't have like an hour or whatever to, to spend in her bedroom, you know, just set aside worshiping the Lord. She needed to sleep. Um, so there were seasons where we have less time and more time. But we need to listen to God and ask him, how much, you know, how much time do you want me to spend during this season of my life now? And uh, God wants to, us to take Moses' lead on this and get to know God face to face as a friend. So let's allow God to lead us deeper into his presence and deeper into our relationship with him. 
Now, lastly, we know that the one who created us, the one who gave us gifts, abilities, talents, and the one who, who is leading us, we know that through just as Israel had different circumstances, different kind of seasons, um, through the, the, the history that we read, you know, in, in David and Solomon and different kings and whatnot, the whole history of Israel as God led them, God ultimately, He alone is faithful. He even is faithful when, was faithful when Israel sinned. Yeah, He had to spank them. He had to send them into captivity to get their attention and uh, build some character so then they would be ready to come back and rebuild the temple and rebuild uh, the walls so that they could worship the Lord again. Man, first of all, if I were God, I wouldn't have waited a few hundred years to bring judgment on them. I would have I gotten them a lot quicker, okay? And then sending them into captivity, well, you can stay, you can cook there. You're out of here. I'm done with you. You've just sinned too many years. God never gave up on them. He's totally faithful. So a great verse that most of us are familiar with, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, and it will come up on the screen. So in Lamentations 3, it says that the steadfast love of the Lord or the loving kindness of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, when we're being led by God, just as Israel had different seasons in their history, we have different seasons of our life. You know, after we're born and all that, we have the toddler years, we have the you know, childhood and adolescence and teenage and young adult and different seasons of life. And there are different changes in our circumstances that occur as we go along. So, uh, for example, after high school, some have to decide, you know, am I going to go into a trade, uh, go get a job? Am I going to go to college? Which college? What am I going to major in? All those decisions. God wants to lead us every step of the way. And then we graduate. And now we have to look for a God, uh, for a job. So that, that's a real change in circumstances there. You go from just you know, living in a dorm or an apartment or at home and then going to classes and doing homework. You know, your life is mainly doing homework. All of a sudden, you're going to have to earn money to support yourself. Whoa. And that usually scares most college seniors. You know, that, that's a huge transition. But if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful. He will take us through that. And then we get a job. And then after some years, we might have different aspects of the job or different levels of responsibility. Now we, we might be responsible for other people and, and their work and whatnot. Well, that can be a scary thing, but God is faithful. He led us to that job. He led us to stay there however long. He's endowed us with the skills and whatnot to use for him. 
And now he's going to be faithful uh, in overseeing the people or doing whatever new aspects of that job it may be. And then you get to the point where we get old enough, we start losing our parents. Now, unfortunately, some lose their parents at a young age. That's not the norm, thankfully, but it, you know, it, it can happen. But for most of us, you know, once you hit your 50s, 60s, 70s, then, you know, depending on how long, what longevity your parents had, uh, as we've heard from Scott and as he experienced this week, you know, losing our parents, a lot of us have lost our parents, say, in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, man, that's a transition, and that, that's a heart jerker. Um, but God is faithful. He leads us through those times, the times of intense mourning, the times of, of change. And then, um, it's like poor Karen with her siblings, and sometimes not with her siblings, going through our parents' belongings and everything. And Scott will be doing more of that too. And man, that's, you know, Jennifer helps guide people through times like that. God has gifted her with a tremendous ministry of emotionally working through the emotions of, of parting with uh, our family heritage and what do we keep, what do we have to give away, all those kind of things. God is faithful. God will take us through that in victory. And he'll give us a deep, you know, he'll comfort us. We'll get to experience more of the comfort of God and, and his provision for us. So whether it's early when Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when we were kids or whether we're adults, or lastly, Philippians chapter 1. If you can turn with me and we'll close with this. As we know, Paul is our great role model for how to walk with God. So in Philippians chapter 1, again, a very well-known passage, and Dave has, been, has quoted this a number of times in the eschatology class. But starting with 20, Paul says in Philippians 1, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So he's, he's an old man at this point, as we'll read. He's not checking out quite yet, but he's approaching it. We know in 2 Timothy, where he says, I have fought the good fight. God had told him he's, it's eminent at that time. But here his perspective is that with all the gifts God endowed him with, with all that God appointed Paul to do and anointed Paul to do, he says that Christ would even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is boo-hoo. No, he didn't look at it that way. 
to die is gain. And we know, he says, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. So we know the end of the journey, we know the end of the journey for Israel ultimately will be the second coming of Christ. We know for us the end of the journey is, you know, physically when, when we check out, shall we say, when we physically die. We no longer have bios, okay, just physical life. But thankfully we have Zoe, which is spiritual life, the life of Jesus that's been talked about this morning. So God is faithful, shall we say, from stem to stern, alpha and omega, from beginning to end, from forming us in the womb, taking us through the young years, the middle years, the end years, the old years. God is faithful. Again, he said his hesed, his favor, his loving kindness, his covenant commitment never ceases. Even with Israel, rebellious Israel, still that covenant commitment never ceased. Okay, my steadfast love never ceases. Great is my faithfulness. So let's trust the Lord. And whatever you're going through right now, pray and say, Lord, help me to see you as the faithful one to take me through this time of my life and whatever changes may be going on. For some, it's, it's even moving out of one residence, moving to another residence or whatever it may be. When these changes come, just say, Lord, Help me to see you as the faithful one that your word reveals yourself to be. And Lord, give me your peace that passes all understanding, that I can go through this change in victory, just like Paul went through all this stuff in victory. Unfortunately, Israel didn't, often didn't go through a lot of things in victory, but we have that opportunity. So he appointed you, he anointed you, He's leading you, and just know that whatever circumstantial changes that you have to go through, God is faithful. Amen. Father, we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you lead us, that you guide our life and your path for our life. Thank you for mentors, Lord, that you give to us that can Help us and pour into us. And Lord, we ask that we can live for Christ, Lord, for you every day. And that all the gifts and abilities and skills and everything that you have poured into us, just as you did with Bezalel, Lord, you anoint us with your spirit and you use us to your glory. Father, help us to walk in your peace and to walk in victory, Lord, as we see your faithfulness lived out in our life day after day after day. We just give you all the praise for your faithfulness, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.